not entertained, welcome to the Lido Guards. Everybody, welcome to the Leoverse, where a guest enters the Leoverse, and oh, they are the really? center of that Leoverse. Today, I have Kendra, a real-life friend of mine who has her own IMDb page. Absolutely. So, Kendra, you're killing it. I want to tell your story. But first, how does the world see you? Oh my goodness. What a loaded question. So it really depends on where we are, right? You mentioned IMDb. The world from that perspective sees me as Kendra Marie, you know, and I chose that to be my name on that page and publicly because that's always who I have been and that's always who I will be. People, they see me as a thinker. They see me as an analyst. They see me as an engineer. They see me as an oil salesperson. They see me as an entrepreneur. You see me as an actress, but really, I'm just me. That's it. I'm just me. <laughs> I love living life. I love to be happy. I love helping people. I love seeing other people happy. That's what it is. <laughs> so let's go into your background. You're from Baltimore. Yes. We share the same alma mater. Uh, Morgan State. <laughs> I, you know what? I like to call it the Morgan State. The I'm trying to give it the Morgan prestige. State. Let's put an extra E on there. <laughs> <laughs> And you studied electrical engineering as my first degree. Mm -hmm. Okay. As my and first degree, nutritional science. She didn't have enough the first time. No, nope. had to go back. Not enough STEM. <laughs> it's still STEM, right? Because it's science. STEM meaning science, technolo technology, engineering, and mathematics. So I was in electrical engineering. The E part of STEM, I moved into the S part, <laughs> sciences. <laughs> Like, I feel like nutritional science, which a lot of people just see as dieting, the way you eat, it's so important, right? It's it's something that you live with day in and day out. It never leaves you. It's still practical. So I wanted to really understand how food affects our body and, again, help people to make good decisions on what they can intake and live the healthiest, fullest lives they can, too. So that's what attracted me to doing the second degree. Let's talk about the first degree first. Mm -hmm. How did you get into you know wanting to go to morgan wanting to be an engineering student it's, what, what it's attracted you to that it's actually a little bit boring i don't know stereotypical almost i was in 11th grade so i was raised it's either you go to college or you go to work right that's how my, my, my dad told me and i got to a point in high school i was like well I don't really know where I would go to work, so I guess I'll go to college. But I had no idea what I wanted to study. And then one day in 11th grade, a physics teacher just happened to bring in a speaker. I can't even remember what their career was, if they were a student or if they were an engineer, but they started talking about engineering. And at that point in time in high school, I thought engineers had something to do with trains. Never heard of it before. So, and they described it and they're like, oh, if you like math and it's a lot of physical sciences, and so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it sounds good to me. It's something I'll try. Literally, that's it. <laughs> and Morgan was there. I knew people who worked in administration at Morgan, and they were such proponents of HBCUs and Morgan State in particular. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'll go to Morgan, and I think I'll study engineering there. You only had one engineering job your whole career, right? Yeah, that's it. I interned at one particular local utility. And then I worked there full time upon graduation. They gave me a scholarship when I was in 
college. So I'd already had, by that time, I had a full ride from Morgan State on an honors scholarship. And so the the funds I received from the utility company was actually refunded directly into my pocket. So I got paid to be a student <laughs> when I was at Morgan. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Got every year, which is a big deal if you're a college student. Wow, did you hear that? If anybody's planning or has children planning to go to college, you can hustle the system. You absolutely can. I, I had too many people tell me how they were doing it. I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to get scholarships and then I want to get more and then have them refunded right into my pocket. <laughs> You left the utility. Mm -hmm. um, that's how we met through the yeah. utility. We didn't yeah, meet my, at We go Morgan back so many years. Oh, my goodness. Because I came to Morgan later. I went to a few other schools. Uh -huh. and I, I came to Morgan later in life where I was in a... Later. I'm doing air quotes. Later. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I had a child, had a wife, and I had to graduate. And I wasn't trying to play with the uh, fraternity stuff or go yeah. to homecoming. I was. I needed to graduate. All right. Oh, I was extremely focused. My first. No, excuse me. That was my second job in engineering when I came to the utility. And I yeah. met you. I had worked in defense as a defense contractor. Mm -hmm. You know what messed me up for that job was? Do you remember Professor Anderson? Absolutely. For our listeners, Professor Anderson, a hippie. Would, would you not agree to that? Oh, I would agree. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and the funny thing was we had to take engineering ethics. And he would always say, do you want to feed your family on blood money? But the kicker about that was... Only people, only recruiters that came to Morgan were defense contractors. You had uh, Lockheed Martins, Boeing, yeah. who else? Uh, oh, just so many. Northrop Grumman, oh. maybe? Huh? Northrop Grumman? Northrop Grumman. I, yeah. I mean, you could not get away from right. seeing it's, a it's because of where we live, right? In this this area, very close to District of Columbia, right? All those contractors are readily available and scooping up all the engineering stu students in the area. Absolutely. Yeah. And Morgan, I think, produced like 80, 86% of the black engineers in the whole Maryland area. So Very this was prime picking. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about, you know, if, if anybody's listening, wondering, you know, about a good school, Morgan's small and the teachers care. It's Happy, not yeah. you're a number. It's you just strive as a student. So that's why I love Morgan. It, after all the colleges I went to, it was probably the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Um, going to a utility, I question that sometimes, but it got me to what I needed to do. Had a few issues, but Look, I feel like you know our age, our generation, we. You know, like previous, like the boomers, they stayed in one job. They stayed there 35, 40, 45 years. You know, it's like a badge of honor. Nowadays, that, that just doesn't happen anymore, you know? So even if you land somewhere that wasn't great for you, you learn as much as you can. You, you, you give to that company. Like there's definitely a reciprocal relationship there. And then you move on to the next one. And, and it's, it's such a normal thing now, you know? I think it's beautiful. <laughs> you meet oh, more people, you gain more experience. <laughs> yeah, because like I think this is my, to be honest, second career in life. Um, I had a career at UPS, then I did the engineering thing, which is now my second career. 
and I'm loving life as an engineer. Um, I don't have to lift up heavy things. My back doesn't hurt. <laughs> Only thing hurts is my brain because I'm. I, I lift heavy things every morning. I do CrossFit, so. <laughs> <laughs> 30 a.m. every morning. <laughs> well, you got to do that to keep fit for your uh, yes. new, newest job now, <laughs> which we're going to go into. After engineering career, you leave that. Tell us what happened after that. What, what did you do next? After, oh my goodness. So after engineering, I continued to use my engineering degree. So within my engineering career at the local utility, I was I'd say blessed, privileged, opportunistic. I got the opportunity to be on a large safety project. So that gave me a lot of experience in the safety field and also working with, man, I think there were like 150 people in that project. So it ranged from um, people who worked in the field from the front line all the way up to uh, people who were in the, what do we call it? The E-suite, executive suite, C-suite, corporate suite. I can't remember which one. All those corporate terms, right? So I, I love working. I literally worked very closely with everyone, 150 so people from frontline all the way up to the corporate suite. Uh, and that gave me so much exposure and experience in the safety world. It gave me experience in interacting with people in different levels. And I was able to translate that into a very extremely large warehouse uh opportunity <laughs> where I worked safety there um and for that very large company global company who had a warehouse here again so like we just said millennials our generation we move from to different jobs and we gain different experiences in those different jobs and wow what an experience it was working in that warehousing facility in a leadership position so I was in safety uh, management there. And my goodness, there's nothing like it. I, I would have never, if I never worked at that company, there are experiences I would never have had in my entire life. I feel like I, 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 I gained experience and a toughness of skin to be a manager, to, to understand people also, to understand the balance between output and human management. You got to care about the people. My goodness, what an experience. I stayed there about two years. <laughs> so it, it, I did not make a full career out of that, but I learned a lot. Oh my goodness. I actually worked in various cities there. So I got to stay in cities I never had before. So I was, we stayed in Florida, somewhere outside of Orlando. I went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Stayed in also went to a spot in Pennsylvania. So literally in the training for that career, I got to stay in all these different cities, work with different people, meet more people. It was an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but overall I knew when it was my time to move on. And ultimately I landed where I am now, which is probably where I was going to land anyway. So my, my grandfather started a uh, fuel oil delivery business about 60 years ago. So I'm third generation. My grandfather passed about two years ago. I feel a deep sense of continuing the company in his name. And that's where we are. So we I am uh, full-time in addition, which gives me the flexibility for my other careers, which we'll get into. And we keep expanding that company. And it's something I love. I'm in control of my own hours. It's such a beautiful thing. And I bring all my experiences from all the careers I've had in the other companies into my grandfather's company. So it's so beautiful. 
to grow it in that way. I love it. <laughs> Do you share responsibilities with other family members or is it all in your head? Yes. Yeah, so my sister and I, my sister is like a year and a half younger than I am. People think we're twins, but she's a little bit younger. So we we share everything together. I mean, seriously. And we would be the next, um, we are taking it to the next level. So my grandfather started it. My father, after he retired from um, his career in computer tech, uh, as being a computer tech for large accounts uh, in Baltimore City, uh, he took over his father's business and now he's running it and um, and we're working under him and helping him to move it even further. So we're, we're seeking new con. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You seek contracts, you, you build relationships. It's, it's wonderful. And he gives us, my sister and I free reign to take the company where we see it. He supports us fully. It, it, it's, it, can't get a better deal than that. <laughs> Has it been tough to deal with this during COVID? Okay, so interesting question. A lot of people during COVID, a lot of people in the offices left the office, work from home, or people have been laid off. Our business never stopped. We are considered essential, much like a local utility who who delivers gas services or electric services we're the same thing we just don't have pipes and wires we deliver our product on tank wagon uh, vehicles on trucks uh, we take it directly to to the consumer we, people heat their homes with the product that we provide we never stopped working through all of covid not a single moment that people were off the roads when people when it was a mandate to stay home we could not <laughs> we were always in the office always working never stopped and honestly demand increased because people were home so they needed to heat their homes more so covid never st slowed us down um if anything it tired us out even more <laughs> we hear all this about staffing shortages since you have your own business, did you see that or did you just flourish more? So I would say on the truckers end, uh, and this is a common shortage in the industry. So we require to operate our trucks, oil, fuel oil. We, we, we deliver diesel, clear diesel, dye diesel, home heat. These are considered hazardous materials. So the the people who operate our trucks, they can have a CDL class B minimum, CDL class A is fine, but they must have a hazmat endorsement. And the legal requirements have shifted so much in recent years that, it, so to operate a hazmat, the person must be at least 21 years old, which is, which makes the pool of people much smaller. And the, you know, the, the local schools who are teaching people to get their CDLs, et cetera, they don't add hazmat on it. So a lot of people who get their CDLs don't have this endorsement. And it's a struggle for a lot of people in the area. All the large hazmat delivery companies you can think of have all the same issues of driver shortages. Absolutely. And it's mostly because of the national laws that are in place. Um, there are lobbyists trying to change those because it's it's severe. It's it's quite severe. 
I, it wouldn't attribute it to COVID, but it is definitely an issue. So if we had any young listeners in there, would you suggest them to go to trucking school if they don't want to go to get a degree? Is, is yeah, that well off for them or what, what, what would you advise? So going to college, university, you know, you have to do what's right for you. There is so many, so many careers that don't involve getting a degree that you can do and have a wonderful, happy, successful life. See me, myself, I, I love to study. I love reading. I, I love, I don't mind taking tests. I, I, I do well taking tests. I probably will get two or three more degrees in my life. I just love learning. That That's me. It's, Everyone is not like that. And there are so many careers for you. Trucking is a great one. Um, like anything, I always say two things, right? I always tell people, do your research, read the contract. And that that literally applies to anything you do in life. Any type of employment, you're basically entering into some kind of contract of performance, behavioral expectations with your performer, etc. Do your research on the company, understand yourself, what you bring, do the, do your research on the company, read the contract. If you get into comp- trucking, there are lots of companies who will offer you your license in exchange for e- education that's free, but they'll also ask for you to work for them in return. Just understand the expectations, find something for you. Don't, don't settle for something because someone else expects it of you. You know, you, you only you can live your life. That's that's what I would tell the young people. Only you are living your life. That's <laughs> you have no, another. Yeah, yeah. My sister and I also have a catering business. Um, at one point we had our full-on food license. We were we um did meal prep, so that ties into my nutrition degree. I'm very passionate about helping people to eat healthy, be healthy. Unfortunately, in the area we live, the demand is not for meal prep. (laughs) We did have some meal prep customers, but our bread and butter has honestly been in very delicious type of Maryland style seafood dishes, which end up being decadent. So yeah, multi-talented. It becomes this conundrum of where do I put my time? Where do I put my time? And I just love doing what I'm passionate about and what you focus on, if you love it and you focus on it, it'll it'll bring income. Like you never have to worry about that. I, I live by those words. You and your sister still do the catering or? We do pop-ups. At this point, our proof of concept is complete. That's where we were. We understand what the demand is in this area. We understand how we can fulfill that demand in a profitable way. So we basically right now, um, when we have the energy, which again, will be in spring right now, we're full on in the fuel oil business since it's cold. Um, and it's start, we're starting to work our way into spring though, right? Once it becomes spring again, we'll start uh, getting more into our catering business with pop-ups, servicing our loyal clientele, and then we'll expand that at some point in the future. So again, get our full-on food license, restaurant, all that kind of thing. And we're trying to decide right now, how do we want it to be carry out, cloud kitchen? What do we want to do with this? Um, we know we have a talent for it. We have a knack. We love doing it. But then you just got to monetize it. The money will come. <laughs> wow. I knew you were doing big things. But I'm just amazed how well you're doing. Then you have another passion that you're doing is the acting. 
All right. I, I got to know, where did the bug bite you? Because I always hear about acting bug. Did it bite mm -hmm. you, you know, in high school? Were you one of the thespians or? Middle school. It was actually middle school. I was, how old are you in seventh grade? 11, 12. Yeah. So I went to Sudbrook Magnet Middle School, which is actually a performing arts middle school, but I took computer science as my magnet. So that would be by magnet, I mean like a focus or your major quote unquote as when you're in middle school, right? So I, I just loved seeing the theater kids perform. I mean, it was just the highlight of the year for me to watch their their performances. And we will always go. So during the day, like after they got their performance together, the entire school would go and watch a portion of their performance. And then they did the full performance in the evening for, you know, the guests who came and paid their $5 or whatever. But it, that ignited the passion in me. And then I would hear about things happening because I was at Sudbrook. I would hear about films taking place in the area. It's like, I want to do that. I can do that. Like, this is who I am. But because of how I was raised and, you know, my household, I knew it was not a practical thing for me to even bring up. So I, 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 I suppressed that from seventh grade all the way through the year, mm, I guess, 2018. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. So 2018 is when it, it came up again. You know, I had significant life changes at that time. We'll just keep it nice and light like that. <laughs> and a friend of mine happened to post about a local production seeking background extras, as most people would say. It was uh, called Magic Hour, but the real production was Wonder Woman 2. I was like, wow. You know, I've always wanted to be in a movie. Whatever. I'm going to go and look through this and submit and see what happens. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> so, so how do you, all right, so you submit. What yeah. What is the process of submitting? Just a headshot? Or yeah. do you have to do some video saying some dialogue? Right. To be or not to be? Right, right, right. Interpreting all that as Shakespeare. Um, so to do background, actually, practically anyone can get into background because it's like real people casting. So there are casting directors, right, who who bring people into a movie, a film, we'll call it. So let's let's just be very specific. Like with Wonder Woman, this is a very big budget production. We're talking two hundred million, two hundred fifty million dollar production here, right? So they will have a casting director for the background or the extras slash non-speaking role that has its own casting director. And then they'll also have a separate casting director for local or smaller speaking roles. They call them day players. Um, that person was uh, Pat Moran. And then they have the large casting director for the principals, your main stars. Those people are typically casting. Their, their offices are located in L.A. or New York, right? So you have all these different people working together to cast this $250 million movie. So your L.A. slash New York office, that's casting your Gal Gadot. You know, that's, that's majors. Um, locally, Pat Moran casting, she casted our day players. The people will have a few lines in the movie, 
who are on set for um, multiple days to do their lines. Background, non-speaking extras, that was cast out of a casting director from Atlanta came up to um, this area and he casted all of us. So they put out the requirements for background will typically be what you look like now. They don't want to see headshots. They want to see uh, like selfies or a photo from two days ago or within the last week to see what you look like now because they're trying to bring in all kinds of people. So the scene I did in Wonder Woman was the mall scene. It was the very beginning. It That was to me the most 80s feeling piece of the entire movie, right? It felt wonderful uh, watching that. And think of a mall when you go to a mall. You don't just see one type of person walking through a mall. You see all kinds of heights, um, sizes, ages, uh, colors of people, ethnic backgrounds walking through there. So when a casting director specifically for background, specifically casting 200, 250 people to fill a mall, they have to make, it's almost like painting art, right? You have to make sure each person is building this beautiful art piece to make it look as real as possible. And so, and, and that's essentially what it is. Um, they ask you for, I mean, they can ask for your age range, how you appear, but they're just gonna look at your photos anyway. You send in recent photos, you keep sending in and you hope for the best. <laughs> and after I think the third submission or so, I ended up getting picked and it was like, I was, I was flabbergasted. I'm like, no, this isn't real. Even when they brought me in for a fitting. So since the Wonder Woman was a, a period piece, right? It was set in the 80s. Wonder Woman 2 was set in the 80s. They, they fit us. They did makeup, hair, and wardrobe even for all the extras. Now that's how you know it's a big budget film, 250 million, because that doesn't always happen. Sometimes they ask you, um, they ask background to bring your own wardrobe. They ask you to bring uh, three or four different outfit choices and um, the production assistants on set will say, okay, yeah, yeah, wear this shirt, wear that top, you're good. But no, not for Wonder Woman. They, they gave us full costume, hair, makeup every day, every single day. So it was a it, it was a great experience, <laughs> great that, first experience, <laughs> and that just lit a fire that has mm -hmm. been brewing since seventh grade. I had it lit the fire. That was the spark reignited. I got on set. I had literally no idea the difference between uh, the director, the assistant director. The second, the second, second, a production assistant, PAs here, there. I'm, I had your number ones, your number twos. This is where you start and you know, and you end up. I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea of the techno, the terms that you hear on set. And I'm like, I want to know more about this. I want to understand this. And then, um, so that was just the beginning. Then when I understood that you can be in this entertainment business as a business. Remember, I'm an entrepreneur first. That's just it. Don't make dollars. It don't make sense to me. When I understood how producers make their money, I was like, ah, oh, so this is a real business here. Okay. I'm interested. I'm completely peaked. <laughs> Let's do this. So I stick with this as an actress, my strength in this business honestly is as a producer. So it's another parallel path for me. 
as I continue to gain experience, gain contacts, and when they get to know who I am and what I bring, you know, they don't expect me to bring the type of management experience I have. They're like, oh, 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 yeah, okay, she's a good producer. Production's where the money is, trust me. Look at the actors who are also producers, very smart people. <laughs> so do you still have a passion to be in front of the camera? Oh, absolutely. I love being in front of the camera. I I find it a challenge to take this scripted piece that usually someone else has written and have the audience believe that this is my experience in this moment. I take I, I love that challenge and I continue to rise to it. It's amazing to me. And you know, I thought that being an actress is when I got into it again, I thought that I would be able to be someone else. That's what attracted me. But I found that in being an actress, you must know yourself more deeply than you ever have. You understand what you bring to the screen. That helps you understand how to portray it truthfully. You, If you don't understand yourself truthfully, you cannot be truthful on screen. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> So have you seek coaches? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I think there are some actresses who will say, oh, I have never had training. You know, I take that with a grain of salt. Take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> I think it, it, to some extent, everyone has had training in this industry. Maybe you didn't go to college for um, theater or film. I didn't. I don't think it's, I think it's a wonderful thing if that was your opportunity and you understood yourself at that time enough to get a degree in it. But, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to do it without getting a degree in it. There's so many coaches, You like there are some not so helpful coaches and some very helpful coaches. So I trained with someone who has had experience and a lot of good opportunities in, in the industry. He's great. He's based in New York over Zoom. It's been amazing. And he's about to do in-person classes again. And I'll be humping it up to New York to take the in-person classes because I think it's, it's very important. They teach you how to be truthful on the screen. There are some local people too who are amazing coaches. I don't think you can make it through this. And it's like anything. It's almost like mentoring, right? When you're in corporate, you're not really going to get to the next level by yourself. There are so many parallels. So your coaches, the actors coaching, the actors mentors, so important. And I definitely do that week in, week out. And it's, it's taught me a lot. Have you thought about, you know, trying the theater or... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Theater, I've done a music. So this is the thing, right? When when I started with in acting, which was like 20 and 20, about 2018. So I'm it's actually later in 2018. That's when I did Wonder Woman was the summer of 2018. So I'm coming up on what was it four years? Oh, how about that? Time flies. See, with COVID, we lost a couple years, right? So I started, I did Wonder Woman. I immediately said, okay, I'm going to do some college productions because we have colleges in this area like Micah, Howard. These, you know, these students have thesis films at the master's level that they have to present and they need actors for. So I used those to, to help me practice my skill and also help them produce their films. So I did that. And then I got, okay, I want to do some theater. 
I did a musical. Dr. Branch was actually also the Baltimore lead. Like, he's like a medical doctor in Baltimore County. He's like the lead person. I don't even know his full title, but he's so impressive. And he also does theater. So we, I did a musical with him, The Wiz. That was amazing. It was just amazing. And then COVID happened. Are you telling me you sing too? I am trying. I am learning. <laughs> I do have a vocal coach. Yes, I do. <laughs> wow. It's all part of the package. I think it, it, when you become an entertainer, right? And and honestly, anyone can sing as long as you're not tone deaf. So if you're tone deaf, it's going to it's gonna be a challenge. But outside of that, you can learn to sing. <laughs> oh, that rules me out then. I can't find... <laughs> I can't find a beat when I'm dancing. That's very self-aware of you. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, when I go to the club or when I went back in the day, the only thing I had was the two-step. Okay. The beautiful thing about a two-step is you can do that to a fast song, slow song, and a medium song. And, and you look like you know what you can sing. You got it. You can feel the beat. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. I got two left feet. And it's just horrible. I guess my next question is the second question I prepped you with. How do you see yourself? Yeah, wow. It's it, it's so it's so humbling to think about that, right? Cuz you know, I just always you look in the mirror, you never see yourself grow, right? But then you look back and it's like, yeah, there has been growth there. I I just see myself as a resilient person, a very open individual an open, accepting person, you know, I'm just, I'm ready to live what life brings to me and make the best of it. Like I tell people all the time, I plan to live to a hundred, 100 at least. So that's why I live my life a certain way with how I eat and working out. Cause I have so much life left to live. Anything I've experienced so far, it's like, oh yeah, that was cute. <laughs> I have many decades left. Let's no, go. No regrets. No, no regrets. oh no. You know, oh goodness. That word regrets. I try to think, okay, do I have a regret regret? Can I sit here and think of something that I truly wish never happened in my life? You know, in a significant as significant as the experiences are that have changed my life, that most people will be like, oh, you wasted your time. I really, I must say every experience I've had has shaped me. So I cannot, I've, I'm the one of those people who fail forward, you know? Oh, oh yeah, that didn't work out. Okay. What did I, what did I learn? Okay. Let's move on. Like I'm always learning something from every experience. I, I think that's how you live life and, and stay in a positive, have a positive view of life. Yeah, I, I come to see life as if one door closes, two others open. Yep. It may not be the route you wanted to go. You sometimes have to kick down the door to get where you want to be. And sometimes where you want to be isn't right for you. And that's the hardest time, that, you know, you got to own up to it. You know, you dreamed of it your whole life. Imagine being yep. trying to go out for the Olympics and you find out you're not good enough. But you've had all that training, so flip it. Flip Train it. somebody else to reach that goal because you've put in so much time. You understand what needs to get get there to get there, and Absolutely. you may help somebody else reach that goal. So that's kind of what my podcast is about is I want to hear 
how people got to where they are or hear their views of society for we can get a better understanding of each other. Yeah. And, it's like you you life is it's just it's a cloud, it's a path. It you keep you just keep traveling down. Keep traveling with the confidence that you will be okay. Like trust me, you will be fine. <laughs> Most of the negativity that you may experience is imaginative. Don't imagine negativity. Imagine that I will be okay and you'll make it. Just like this podcast, if I got two viewers and I'm able to help one person reach their dreams of being on Hollywood, that's hundred percent. They heard this podcast and heard you. That that right there made me a winner in life. And Absolutely. You. And sometimes you never hear about that. By the way, you never hear until years later. Maybe, maybe you never know how you affect someone's life. Absolutely. You just keep doing. Look, I'll tell you. I'll tell you an example. When it gets warm, I love running. Like I do a four mile or a six mile circuit, and and I I street run. So I'm in the neighborhoods running because I, I just I can't stand a track and I can't stand a treadmill. They're both torture to me <laughs> to run that long. I, I can't I can't deal with it. But I, I do it. I do it to maintain my health. Um, but I also do it in public because I want to be able to affect someone's life. I want someone in this area where we're not necessarily running folk, you know, like if you would think of somewhere in LA or something, for example, where everyone's running, everyone's being very healthy, et cetera. I want to portray this image that there's a there's an alternative to what you're doing. You can get out here and run. It's amazing. It's it's fine. And so I do it. Typically, I don't hear from anyone, whatever. Weeks later, months later, I'll get random people come up to me and say, yeah, I saw you running on Liberty Road. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> they see you. They see you and it encourages them. It affects them. Posting Motivation Mondays. Will you get all the likes? Maybe not, but they see it. And it is motivating someone. So you just you have to keep doing what you're doing. People are watching and people are getting encouraged. Absolutely. Thank you so much. How I finish interviews is I ask my guests to give us an exit interview quote, a quote that you made up or a quote that somebody you heard say or some inspiration you uh, got from this conversation. See, yeah, I, I yeah. just bring this stuff on people. Right, I'm like, oh man, I was trying to really think. Like, okay, I'm definitely feeling the spot. Oh man, quote, quote. I feel like there, there's, I have so many quotes that, oh man, and my phone is totally dead. And look, I was going to cheat and pull up <laughs> my phone real quick. But that's that, and it's not an option. Oh my goodness. I need a Kendra Marie special right now. Come on. Oh my gosh, wow. Yep. I gave you full name. This is this is gonna be so lame. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is that oh, it? This is gonna be so lame. No, 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 not your life. Your life will be lame. No, this quote will be. Oh my goodness, I gotta think of something. Oh man. Oh, I if you ask me for a lecture, I could do that. Like I can bore someone to death. <laughs> okay, a quote. Um hmm. Hmm. Mm. I have so many thoughts like towards what I want to say. Okay, here we go. I, I, this is what I'd have to say. I have, I, and I said this before, so I'll, I'll, but I'll make it a concise quote and I'll repeat it. 
live life. Okay. Only you can live your life. That's it. All right. That's my quote. Only you can live your life. And you can rewind and, and hear what I said about that before. I it's it's not a selfish quote. It's not about living for yourself. It's not about living for others. It's it literally means that only you experience you the actions that you produce, you experience those consequences. You can't live life for someone else. Someone else can't live your life for you. No. What you do, it, it's, and it, there's so many ways to take this. But you cannot live for other people, no matter what they believe, no matter what they think. You have to decide what that is for you in the context of the world and society, et cetera, whatever that means for you. But only you can live your life. That's it. That's it. Wow. That's, that's inspirational. That's Thank you so much, Kendra. Thank you.